0: You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit CanbyFoursquare.com to learn more. Celebration here in Canby. And one of the things that was mentioned by the community, and this is just the community at large, Uh, They said, wow, what you guys did by providing the Stations of the Cross was so encouraging in in our community, to our community, especially during the pandemic. And so that is such a a blessing. That's such an affirmation uh, that we get to hear what the community feels and thinks about uh, our testimony. And uh, we want to continue to do that. I'm looking forward. I really am looking forward to that. Well, Annette and I have arrived safely back home from Disneyland. It's a place you could get lost, really easy, and it's absolutely a pr- place that you could go in debt, really easy as well. And so, <laughs> both of them can happen. We just had a we had a great time with my daughter and her family. Uh, I did find out some things. My 15-year-old grand, a 15-month uh, granddaughter, who's the youngest of our grandkids. Uh, watch out world she owns the world because she had her coming out party at Disneyland and she was having a blast doing all kinds of things we had a great time because we haven't really gotten to know her as much as we have the other kids pandemic all kinds of things going on this was a great time uh, to get to know Ariana and so we had a we had a blast we had a blast at Disneyland and really really enjoyed it you know I never want to take for granted the time that, that we have together on Sunday morning. You know, I think about it often, and I hope and pray that these times are as meaningful to you as, as they really are to me. And I know that my life is much better. Uh, my, my life is enriched when I spend time with you. And that says a lot coming from a natural-born introvert. I mean, that, that says a whole lot. And, you know, I need, to, I need to be with you. I need to be here because you help me from being spiritually, emotionally unhealthy Uh, I need to be here with you because there's an encouragement that comes. When I spend time with you, you keep me from being self-centered, being reclusive. Those would be my tendencies. But it doesn't happen when we're together. Uh, You help me stay focused on what really matters in life, Uh, keeping the main thing the main thing. And that's why we're here, and that's the message we have to give to the world, is Jesus Christ. And there is no more that brings salvation than Jesus Christ. And the primary reason that, that I'm telling you all this, confessing this to you, is because I, I know there are others like me who are out there. I know there are others that you're either staying sheltered in place because it's a safe place for you to be. Um, I know that's happening. Uh, or those who are trying to find their way back into an authentic Christian community. I know I know those journeys are taking place. and People are are looking, they're investigating. Well, I want you to hear something, if you would, from me, and make this maybe a prayer for you. Um, authentic Christian community doesn't mean perfect Christian community. There's no such thing. Uh, I've never found it. I don't think you will ever find it. Authentic and finding an authentic Christian community is a spirit-led a process. It's a spirit-appointed process. Uh, it's not like buying a car. You know, it's not like going out and and you have your list where you have a list of wants you that you check off, where you pick and choose from a list of preferred amenities that that's not the way this works. This works because the spirit of God has appointed you. The the spirit of God has brought you somewhere by the leading of his Holy Spirit. He brings you into this place. One thing that I know is that authentic community is very different than your custom made community. So when we, we're the ones that pick and choose amenities. It's custom-made. It, it's It has everything to do with our preferences. It has everything to do with what we want. What I know about custom-made communities is almost always they are the most convenient and almost always require nothing from me uh, because I, I created it. I made it up. See, when God appoints you, when God leads you, that's a whole different game. That means that... You are being divinely directed, that you are being divinely appointed to be somewhere, to be part of something that makes a huge difference in our lives. And I know that being here has made a huge difference in my life. And I know that this being a divinely appointed place for us for over 30-some years now, it's not, it's not as though it hasn't been a struggle at times, obviously, but I'll tell you this. If it were the struggles that would run us off, run me off, Uh, I would have been gone the first year or two. Uh, But because it's appointed by God, because it's a call of God to be part of a community, uh, then there's different things that happen. Let me tell you this. The call of God is always going to be your anchor. That wherever you're at right now, whatever you're going through, just know and be sure that God has called you there. Whether it's a church community, a work community, a school community, Whatever that is, know that God has called you. He's anchored you somewhere so when the storm comes, and it will, the storm will come, that you're able to stay steadfast, that you're able to stay on course. And I think that's so important for us today, that we just stay on course and that we do the things that God has called us to do. So let me do this. I want to pray for all of us here this morning, and then we're going to jump right into the word. But I want to say this. Lord, we um, we just first of all thank you. Thank you for the community that you have allowed us to be part of, the community that you have appointed us to. Uh, I know that um, I know when we self-select, it doesn't really work out. But when it's divinely appointed, when we're at a place where we are divinely assigned, we know that things happen. And those are the places we grow. Those are the places that we flourish or the places that you have appointed for us. So I ask that would be true about our lives. That would be our story. That would be our our testimony, especially in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray and we say together, amen. Would you do this? Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Leviticus. We're going to look at Leviticus chapters 18 and 19 today. And most of you know that we're going through a series called The Gospel Story. Again, I've said this before. I'm having a blast Because you can go through and you look for Jesus, you look for the arrows and all signs that point to our salvation. So we're going to continue our teaching here. And today's message is titled simply, Understanding the Holiness of God. Now last week we talked about the book of Exodus being a book that is all about God wanting to get close to us. God wanting to be with us. We saw that in the tabernacle. But we're also wanting to understand that we're drawing close to a holy God. And what does that really mean in our lives? What does that connection, what does that look like? And so understanding God's holiness is is critical for our our walk with Jesus Christ. It's critical to understand. Um, Several years ago, my sons and I, we did this often. We went out, we were camping. I think we were in central Oregon around Madras somewhere. And we had spent a few days out, you know, just roughing it with the guys. My dad was there, my brothers were there, my boys were there. And we were just having a blast. And I love to do that. I have great fond memories of those times. And, uh, and I remember one particular day, we were walking down a trail, and I was up on a higher point than my sons. My boys had kind of taken off by themselves like boys do. Uh, and while I was standing on this point, I looked down, and I could see the trail they were on. And about 50 feet in front of them, was a rattlesnake. It was coiled up. It was a rattlesnake. And I, I saw that they were headed right to that rattlesnake. Now, they couldn't see that snake. They were in a place where they couldn't see it. I could see it. I could see it. And so immediately my response was, stop! I just started yelling, stop! Stop! <laughs> and the boys just it looked like they, they were afraid of me more than they were the snake. I mean, you know, it was like they, they just stopped. And, and what I know happened when I did that is quite possibly... Uh, I saved two little boys' lives, possibly. I know for sure I took them out of harm's way because they stopped. I got down to them, and I said, guys, there's a rattlesnake down the trail. (laughs) You know, from that day uh, forward, when they were on trails, they were always kind of looking around for rattlesnakes. I didn't want to make them paranoid. I just wanted to help them. I wanted to save them. You see, that's that's the way it is with holiness of God. What I mean by that is, We can mistakenly think that God's holiness and commands are just about do's and don'ts, mainly about the don'ts, when, in fact, God's holiness is the primary expression of his love. That stop that I yelled to my boys was a passionate stop out of love because I cared for their well-being. I don't want to see them get hurt. I don't want to see them get sick. I don't want to see that happen to them. And there are times in God's word, especially when you go through the book of Leviticus, you're going to get to places and God's just going to go, stop! Don't go any further! Stop! And then oftentimes we'll interpret that as God being a party killer and that God is just throwing a wet blanket over my life and all those kind of things. I've heard all of that. I've probably said a few things like that. But that's the opposite of the truth. God's holiness is an extreme expression of his love toward you. That what he's saying to you is, I want to keep you out of harm's way. That I want to keep you in a place where you stay safe. It's God's desire to keep you safe. And what I mean by that is spiritually giving you a place where you can develop and grow an environment in the holiness of God that we can develop and we can grow. You see, the book of Leviticus has two parts to it. Uh, Chapters 1 through 17 is about approaching God's presence. We talked a little bit about that in Exodus. Chapters 18 through 27 is about accepting God's precepts. And that's kind of where we're going to camp out today. Approaching God's presence is all about uh, the sacrificial system. It's about the priesthood. Uh, It's about the tabernacle. Again, those things might sound familiar to you. I loved it last week because the kids were running up to me with their, their Sunday school things that they had done. They'd drawn the tabernacle. And they wanted to see me, uh, they wanted to make sure that I saw their their artwork. And it was, it was great because we had just kind of gone through that. And so we, we talked about that last week. The second half of the book is about accepting God's precepts or accepting and applying God's precepts to our life. Approaching God's presence and applying God's precepts. Because the second part of Leviticus is about accepting and applying God's precepts upon precept. Upon precept. God is always building something in our lives. He's always building something that has great value, spiritual value especially, in our lives. This part of Leviticus is expanding on the Ten Commandments that God gave the children of Israel through Moses. So what God's doing is He's saying, okay, here is the Ten Commandments. We've received that. We've got that. Now God says, now here's how you can take these commandments and apply them to your life God never gives you something without an application you can see that all through Scripture he never gives you something just to give it to you he he's giving it to you so there's an application to it now in order to do this we must acknowledge God's person primarily God's holiness that we know and understand and really to really get a hold of the book of Leviticus you need to know that you serve a holy God you need to understand that you serve a holy God Because acknowledging God's holiness is the key to understanding the book of Leviticus. Approaching God or being God wanting to draw close to us is about Exodus and found in Exodus. Leviticus, it's about understanding God as a holy God. I want to share just a few thoughts concerning God's holiness. Because I think when we think about the holiness of God, we can be all over the map. I mean, there are a lot of things that probably come to mind. First, I I think it's safe to say that God's holiness is considered the least attractive of God's attributes. I mean, when you go out there and you take uh, you take polls and you take studies about what what is the most what is your most favorite attribute of God? Guess what? What people will say? Well, God's love. Yeah, it's the love of God or the sovereignty of God or the grace of God. Now, way down on the list, you might find the holiness of God. But you're going to find all. Now, by the way, God is all those things. God is a loving God. He's a holy God. He's a sovereign God. All those things are true, but typically holiness is not up on top there. And and even though those are all true, again, about God and his character, the thing that that is mentioned the most the most often about God in the Bible is his holiness. So from the beginning to the end, it's his holiness. That's That's the attribute of God that is repeated more times than any other attribute in Scripture. It's His holiness. It's something that God says to us. God says, and especially in Leviticus, it says, be holy because I am holy. He mentions that several times. Be holy because I am holy. Uh, That's also mentioned in some New Testament passages as well. Now, God's people, and the reason He does this, God's people... Uh, he, he's pulling them up, out of, of a world. He's pulling them and wants them to be distinct. I don't really care much for the, the, the New Testament description is that you're a peculiar people. That hits too close to home sometimes. But what it really means is that you are uh, distinct, you're unique, you're separate from the world. Now, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. That's, that's what Jesus tells us. When people hear about the holiness of God, usually they think about the Old Testament. That's particularly what comes to mind. However, the holiness of God is not only an Old Testament Testament attribute, but it's a New Testament attribute. Because if you remember, remember the disciples coming to Jesus and saying, Hey, Jesus, we really want to know how to pray. Can you help us? Can you teach us how to pray? They went to the right person, by the way. And Jesus said, Yeah, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. See, that's the first thing that Jesus says about the Father in heaven. He says you pray to a holy Father, to a holy God. If you'll remember the third, and you know this, the third person of the Trinity is called the Holy Spirit. Not the loving spirit, not the sovereign spirit, not the gracious spirit. He's called the Holy Spirit. It very much distinguishes him. The Holy Spirit sets him apart. And we live in the day and age of the Holy Spirit. We live in a day and age where the Holy Spirit is working in people's lives. It's the Holy Spirit that brings people to salvation. So when we put names up here, we're putting names up here on the wall because we want to participate in the process, but we're certainly not the ones that convict people of sin. We don't do that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. None could be saved except through the Holy Spirit, except through the Spirit of God revealing that to us, that we are lost, that we need need help, we need salvation. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So now here's what we need to know in Leviticus chapters 18 and 19 to take and apply the Ten Commandments to our relationships. That's what those two chapters do. They take the Ten Commandments and they say, Here's how this is lived out. Remember earlier I said, use the word stop. Uh, Well, chapter 18 of Leviticus is one of those things that says, don't do this. Don't do this. Uh, This is uh, really the nitty gritty of morality because chapter 18 is a graphic picture of the sin of humanity. Chapter 18 is all about the, the, the don'ts. And in verses 1 through 3, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. Now, it's interesting because the first thing now that he goes in and describes is sexual behavior, that's what he does, he, he, he addresses that, God addresses that, he addresses it immediately, now there, there's the command here, command do not be like them, what he's saying is don't be like the unbelieving world, and he uses two specific examples, he goes don't be like the Egyptians, <laughs> don't be like the Canaanites, you're kind of in between both of them, don't, don't live like the Egyptians, Egyptians where you came from, don't live like the Canaanites where you're going, you have to live like holy people. You need to be holy because I am holy. You need to be set apart in all of your activities because I am a holy God. See, what he's saying here, when he uses that phrase, he uses it six times in chapter 18. Don't be like them. Because you see them practice sin, what he's saying is you don't have to practice sin. If you see it practiced, doesn't mean you have to do it. So why not? Why not live like the world? Why not live like the Egyptians and the Canaanites? Well, God says, because I am the Lord your God. Now, you have to know this is fundamental to who we are and what our character is all about and how we grow. It's it's about this statement right here, because I am the Lord your God. That's mentioned 42 times from chapters 18 to 27. He keeps coming back and repeating, this is the reason you do or don't do it. It's because I am the Lord your God. The statement, because I am the Lord your God, is the foundation of all the commandments. Of all the commandments, that uniquely come from him. Not other religions, not other faiths. The commandments come from God. And he's saying, I am the Lord your God. This is based on the character of God to you and the claim of God over you. That's what he's saying. You are my people. I am the Lord your God. Be my people. Be holy as I am holy. In verses 4 and 5 of Leviticus 18, it says, You must obey my laws. Be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. <laughs> he, he, keeps, he repeats that to us. So this segment of Leviticus is dedicated to the most intimate relationship. And that's concerning the sexual relationship between a husband and wife. It's so interesting and curious to me that if you don't think that God cares uh, about a healthy sex life in marriage, you haven't read Leviticus chapter 18. Because that's what he's saying. He's juxtaposing. He's saying, don't live like this. Don't live like this. And what he does is he gives us some examples. This chapter shares or shows us that God wants to be part of the boardroom at work as well as the bedroom at home that's what he's showing us here he's saying i care about this now parents don't worry we're not covering chapter eighteen in the sunday school classes today okay it's only chapter nineteen that we're talking about in sunday school today because it's really pg fourteen It's chapter eighteen of leviticus but you have to talk about this because it sets everything else up he's going to the most intimate place in your relationship and he's saying, I, I want to be there. This is where I want to be. Why? Because I am an intimate God. Because I have made you to be an intimate creature. And so I, I'm coming in there. And I'm going I'm to be part of this intimacy. I, I'm so thankful that our God is a God of intimacy. Uh, the creator of the universe cares about what goes on in the bedroom. That's pretty, that's crazy. And the way that he shows his care is by addressing the ways that intimacy is ruined, that it's destroyed, that it's perverted. In one word, we know how to have a healthy relationship at home and beyond. And the word here is fidelity. If you're looking at what this chapter is talking about, it's talking about, it's talking about f- fidelity. In Leviticus chapter 18, God gives 12 examples of infidelity, very clear, very precise, there is no guesswork. He says, here it is. And these 12 acts of infidelity can be placed into a few categories. He talks about adultery, talks about homosexuality, talks about incest. And there's another one that he inserts in here that I thought is incredibly curious to me, and it has to do with infanticide. That one stands out, verse 21. It's something that's very close to God's heart, and that's little ones and the right environment that little ones are brought up in. He says, don't offer them on the altar of Moloch. And that was a practice of the heathen, of the heathen uh, cultures, pagan cultures. We've actually been to places where they did do human sacrifices to the gods of Moloch. And I'm, I honestly... I still feel like the spirit is there. I mean, that it's just you get there and it's it's kind of creepy. But we know for sure that's what happened. This is don't don't pattern your, your life after these, these other gods, these other communities. See, each example that, that he uses here is is wrong, telling us what is wrong on so many levels. But a primary reason is because these were all practices of the pagan culture of Egypt. And would be the practices of the pagan culture in Canaan. So God wanted a people who were set apart from the world's culture. The world's infidelity. He's saying I want you to be a person of fidelity. A person that you can count on. A person that's dependable. A person whose life is set apart and who is holy. This is the reason we should never believe or follow the sexual practices of our culture. God our creator knows what it is sexually and what his sexual health looks like. He knows what uh, unhealthy looks like. He's created us in his image. And so the one who's created us in his image says, this is where you're going to get the most mileage. This is where you're not going to get anything. You're going you're to get destroyed here. This You practice this and it will absolutely tear you apart. And so when I read this, I think, Lord, you are so concerned with who we are. See, God is a passionate and protective God. And you see that in the seventh commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's the seventh commandment. And because he is, he's this way, he is protecting the family unit. That's what he's doing. That seventh commandment, he's saying, I, I, I am so passionate about the family. I'm so passionate about them growing up and having Uh, a heritage, having a legacy of faith in their home and in the homes that will come after me, after us. He's passionate about your family. And so what he says is, I want to protect your family. And I know that my heart breaks, probably like yours, because the way our culture defines sex is fashionable socially, while at the same time it is fatal relationally. What he mentions here brings... Death to relationship. And one of the things that I, I just, I, for me, this was a message, and I need to, la- this was a message to me as, as a father, as a grandfather, that I was looking at this and I thought, Lord, you, you've called me in so many ways to be a protector in my family, a spiritual protector, and that, that, that I pray that, that there's a covering, that I pray Lord Jesus that my home my my house is protected from anything that will come in and and, and destroy it and, and I and I realized that 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 was became my prayer this week for all you men for you fathers and grandfathers because God has given all of us an authority obviously and I I just want to say to men just go ahead and, and stand up and just have that courage to say you know I'm not going to let that in I'm not going to let this happen I'm not going to I'm not going to let the, those bad things that can destroy families come into my family. Um, and I, I just prayed that way all week long. I just kept praying that we are guardians and protectors of our family. And there's a few ways that I know that I, I want to show that. Uh, I want my kids to see, my children to see, my grandchildren to see that their mother, their grandmother is honored and valued in the home. That, that, that there's a value and an honor that comes in that relationship and um, and that's 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 so important. And the other thing that really stood out in verse again, verse 21 was the whole thing of e- abortion. I mean, it's emphasized that's today. Our expression of emphasize is abortion. That that's that's what it is. And I thought, Lord, this is this is the de- degrading of a, of a culture of a community. And that, listen, I'm not talking about being stand up and being political at all right now. I'm talking about real life. And what I understand is whenever you engage into practices of death, you bring a spirit of death over society, over a community. And I think that is one of the things we've had to deal with in the last 30 or 40 years is this increase of what you're seeing is violence. You're seeing an increase where life is not valued in homes, on the streets, in workplaces. It's just not valued. And if you ask me where's the origin of that, I would say you got to go back to Roe, Roe versus Wade. You have to go back there. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking uh, against anybody here because there's forgiveness in, in, in God's grace. There's forgiveness by the blood of Jesus Christ. I get all that. I do that. I really believe. I'm so thankful I am forgiven, and there's things in my life God has forgiven me I'm just looking at this saying, this is is a spiritual principle that we have to pay attention to. And I'm just going to say, guys, men, for us to say, we're going to pray against anything that destroys our family, anything that destroys our kids, anything that even brings spiritual emphasize. We speak against it in Jesus' name. That you'd look for those things, that you would watch out for those things. I see that here. This is something God is so jealous about. He's jealous for you. He's jealous for your family and what makes you healthy. Now, now I want to. I want you to do this. I want you to look at Leviticus chapter nineteen. This is where the kids are today. Okay, by the way, we're doing this so. We're all good. Everyone go. Okay, we're good here. We're going to chapter nineteen. But you can't do chapter nineteen if you don't know about chapter eighteen. That's for sure. You can talk to the kids when you. all let you do that. I'm not going to do that. Um, chapter nineteen is. It's here. That the Ten Commandments are actually, they're repeated, but they're not in order. You'll see the Ten Commandments and they're just being applied. I love it. It's just the application to relationship. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Leviticus 19 1 and 2. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. There it is again. He brings it up again. You see, Leviticus 19 summarizes and gives life application. When God says something or someone is holy, what does that mean? I mean, it's kind of got a, a bad rap sometimes. We don't always understand. It, it's this it, it doesn't change, it doesn't mean the intrinsic value of something's changed. Do you hear that? It's not like the intrinsic value has changed. It simply means set aside or apart, set apart to worship. Something that's sacred, that's set apart. That's really what holy means—to be set apart to serve the purpose and the mission of God. That's what this means—to be set apart for a particular purpose. Every Christmas, I love it because Annette has ten thousand Christmas ornaments—not not that many, but close—and she brings those out at Christmas time. And, and if you've been in our home you, or seen pictures, you see the Christmas tree. And I'm looking at those. Those ornaments are holy. Because they're, they're set apart for one purpose. You don't take a, you better not take one of our Christmas ornaments and use it like a baseball. See, this is the opposite of multi-purpose. This is being, having fidelity. It's being used for one thing. Her Christmas ornaments are used for one thing and one thing only. It's to go on the Christmas tree and stay there for about a month. They go back in the box and they come out and reappear next Christmas. You don't use them for anything else. It's it's holy. It's set aside. That is actually what God is saying to you. You've been created for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to worship God. That's That's why you've been created. Is to worship him. Now you come out more often than Christmas. But. You get the idea. That there's something that's sacred. These are holy ornaments that I look at every year. That are designated for a special purpose. Leviticus 19 verse 4 says this. I have three and four up there. Because it's a mix of the, of the uh, commandments. Commandments. But especially the latter part of three, the first part of four. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make metal gods for yourself. I am the Lord your God. What's he saying there? This is speaking about the first and second commandment. And you have to get a hold of this. The first commandment is to worship the true God. It's You're set on a course to worship the true God the second commandment is to worship the true God in a true way you don't make graven images you don't do things like that you worship the true God in the true way and that's the second commandment so the first commandment is about who the second commandment is about how and that sets the course for the rest of the commandments so when we understand that What have you been set apart to do particularly? Now, we know we're set apart for the purpose of God. The question I'm asking you is how do you use your talents? How do you use your resources? How do you use the things God has given you to express the personality and the gifts that God has given you to bring honor to Jesus Christ? How do you do that? That's holy. That's what holy living is. Holy living is taking the gifts that I've been given that I've been asked to steward and to bring those to benefit, serve others, and to give God glory. That is my responsibility. And I think each one of us have a responsibility to look at that and say, here are the gifts that I can bring. Here's what I can contribute. Here's how I can live my life. Finding these things out is discovering what a holy life is really all about. This will also help you know what repentance is all about because you had to turn from something Remember what what what, what uh, the author is saying here don't do what they did in egypt don't do what they're doing in cana you got to turn from that stuff so repentance is is that's one of those words that's a that's a bible word it's such a bible word um it's kind of like holy so how do i get up on my head around that one how do i unpack that one well a lot of people just aren't sure what repentance even means Now, I can tell you repentance has a twofold meaning. The first is what we are familiar with, and that's to turn away from sin. When we think of repentance, we think about turning away from sin. That's mostly our definition. But that's only part of the definition of repentance. The second part of repentance is to turn to something. Because if you turn away from something, you have to turn to something. Because you know this. When you turn away from something, something will come in and fill it if you're not purposed. If you're not focused, if you, you know, you can you've seen that you've done that, man, I've seen people just quit smoking and pretty soon there's something else that comes in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And that's just an example. I've seen that happen or you, you stop doing something, you repent from something, but there's something else that wants to take its place. Repentance is turning from sin, turning away from sin and turning to the Lord your God, for His purpose in your life. That's that's the totality of repentance, that living a holy life, and that's what it means to be holy as I am holy. And your expression, your gifts expressed in community, the body of Christ, that's why all of us, when we do it together, when we live in community together, there is so much power and influence in a community for Jesus Christ. Incredible. When we say this is what I've been called to do, this is what I've been set aside to do, this is my contribution. Leonard Ravenhill said this, there is only one proof of the Holy Spirit in your life, and that is a holy life. I thought that is about as simple as it it gets. And I'm going to finish with this. The law was made perfect. We're fast forwarding now. The law was complete. In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in fact, there's a phrase that he utters on the cross. In in the Greek language, Aramaic, it's one word. It's three words in English. But the words are, it is finished. To understand the impact of that, the magnitude of that statement, He's saying everything that the law was about, everything that had happened, all the sacrifice, all these things that led up to this point in time, culminates right here on the cross. And what he says is he uses the word teleos. It means it is fully, perfectly complete. Everything you've waited for and longed for in salvation is found in him. It is is finished jesus completed the work of salvation once and for all and that means it is not up to us to add anything to take away anything complete anything finalize anything when it comes to our salvation jesus did it it is finished i love that you can accept that salvation as a finished work of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head with me? Father, I just want to thank you. First of all, I mean, it's not lost on me that there are hard things that you discuss with us in your word. But we all know that when you say stop or you say don't, it's an expression, a deep expression of your love. So thank you. Thank you for saying, I want to keep you away from the snakes in the world. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for speaking up on our behalf. Thank you for bringing a sacrifice to us that is complete, that is total. It is finished. And you brought that to us. You've given us that gift. So, Lord, we do hear what you say. Be holy for I am holy. That's not a perfect life. That isn't a pristine life. It's just a life that says, as imperfect as it is, Lord, I want to give you my all. I want to give you my talents, my resources. It's yours. I give it to you to give you honor and glory in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, and we say, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444. Anytime through can